0: healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well, Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Valley Well Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. And today I'm joined by Dr. Tina McKenzie and Sandra Schmelnick. Dr. McKenzie is a family medicine doctor at the Valleywise Community Health Center, Avondale. And Sandra Schmelnick is a diabetes educator at our main hospital on 24th and Roosevelt. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you, Thank you so much for having us. So, March is National Nutrition Month. And every week this month, we're touching on a different nutrition topic. Today is all about diabetes. And as I was preparing for this show and looking up the numbers, they, they're really shocking. The CDC estimates that more than 30 million people in the U.S. have diabetes. Mm-hmm. What is your reaction when you hear that statistic?
1: I'm not surprised at all. In my clinical practice, there's not a, basically a day that goes by where I don't see someone that has diabetes or is at risk for Diabetes. Diabetes is probably one of the most common diseases that I manage on a day-to-day basis. So what is diabetes? So diabetes is is basically a group of diseases where there's impaired um, glucose metabolism or how you manage glucose in the body. Essentially, you have too much sugar in your bloodstream.
0: Hmm. Sandra, as a diabetes educator, how does that happen?
1: Uh, Well, there are
2: certain diabetes factors. Um, The the diabetes or or the risk factors are age. So people over 45 years of age have higher risk of diabetes. Um, uh, People who have or women who had uh, a baby that weighed more than nine pounds. That's one of the the reasons also. Um, Obesity or big obese or overweight is another of of the risk factors. Ethnicity plays a very important uh, fact in that because Hispanics, Native Americans, and African Americans also have higher risk of of diabetes. So there are some other things that happen, uh, you know, besides lifestyle that also affect or um, affect the risks of having diabetes in somebody.
0: So 30 million people in the U.S. with, with diabetes and then another 84 million Americans with pre-diabetes. So what, what is pre-diabetes? How does that work? So
1: pre-diabetes is basically you're not diabetic, but you're at risk for becoming diabetic. And the way we kind of identify that is there's several tests that we can use to diagnose someone with diabetes. But one of the most common tests that we use is called the hemoglobin A1C. And if you reach a number of 6.5 or higher, that's diagnostic for you having diabetes. Mm-hmm. But if you fall within the range of 5.7 to 6.4, we consider you pre-diabetic.
0: So what are the levels that, that are ideal that you're, you're hoping for?
1: So ideally, we would like for everyone to fall in the normal range with the A1C, meaning their A1C is 5.6 or less. Or if you check your sugars, or you have a example a family member with diabetes and you just randomly check your blood sugar, you want your fasting blood sugar, meaning you haven't ate anything for eight hours, to be less than 125, um, or your A1C to be less than 5.6. It's a lot of numbers. It can. Yes. I'm sure it can
0: be very confusing.
1: Yes, for patients, there are a lot of numbers. It can be very um, confusing. So in patient visits, I try to use not a lot of medical jargon and just try to break it down as simple as possible but to be honest a lot of patients have family members with diabetes so they're already very kind of familiar with the process but then there are some patients that you know don't have much experience with diabetes at all so how does
2: diabetes affect your life it affects your life very much because if you think about all the tasks that people who have diabetes have to do every day It's very overwhelming. We uh, sometimes underestimate how hard it is to take antibiotics for 10 days. And, you know, I was just in antibiotics uh, last year because of a sinus infection, and I missed a couple of doses, even though I tried my best. So we underestimate how hard it is for uh, patients who have diabetes to check their blood sugars, to at least times a day, twice a day, then take pills. And it's mm. not only one pill. It's usually two, three, or four that they have to take because they have to take care for uh, p- pills for their blood sugar control, but also to protect their kidneys. They usually have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, so all of that. Wow. And f- on top of that, they also are injecting insulin mm-hmm. It's very overwhelming. Absolutely. For those of you just tuning in, we are
0: speaking with Dr. Tina McKenzie and Sandra Schmelnick from Valleywise Health about diabetes. Um, and who you said certain populations are more at risk. Do we understand the reasoning behind that? Or is it just a hereditary thing that gets passed down?
2: It is hereditary. So it, it happens in families, especially type two type 1 it's not so much hereditary or has a genetic portion at least as, as what we know of to, uh, uh, until today but type 2 diabetes has more that genetic portion so it happens in family it's not rare to see grandparents um, uncles you know and passes down through generations but also as I was mentioning before ethnicities so um, Hispanics have uh, uh, the rates or the risk of diabetes 12 it's 12.5 than in uh, white, non-Hispanic Americans, it's around 10%. So the risk of diabetes are higher within ethnicities. So when someone has diabetes, is there ever a possibility that they can um, get rid of it if they do everything they're supposed to do? It depends. That That's a question that probably the best answer would be it depends. Um, you know, uh, people who have diabetes, um, are usually also, or type 2 diabetes, 89% of them are overweight or obese. So of course, the lifestyle changes have to do uh, something very important, the development or having higher risk of diabetes. But not everybody who has type two diabetes is overweight or obese. Mm-hmm. So That's lifestyle. The misconception. Exactly, there's a lot of stigma around type two diabetes. Uh, some people have it and eat very healthy and are active, but they do still have diabetes. Mm-hmm. So let's explain the difference. There's type 1
0: diabetes, there's type 2 diabetes, and then there's gestational diabetes for pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about those three types and what makes them different?
1: Yeah, so um, the main difference between the types of diabetes is kind of how glucose or high sugar is kind of metabolizing the body. Type 1 diabetes is really an autoimmune disease mm-hmm. where your immune system attacks your pancreas' ability to make insulin, so patients who have type 1 diabetes will require insulin for the rest of their life because they don't make insulin or they make very small amounts that are inadequate for how the body uses insulin on a daily basis type 2 diabetes is you you produce insulin but there's what we call insulin resistance your body doesn't respond to insulin the way that it should if you think of insulin as a key that opens the door Insulin is the key that opens the door to your body's cells to allow the glucose to go into the cell and be used as energy. So when you have impaired uh, insulin or insulin resistance, your body isn't really responding to the insulin in the way that it should. So instead of the glucose going into the cells and being used as energy, it kind of hangs out into the bloodstream and causes damage. And in regards to gestation diabetes, that's specifically diabetes that is diagnosed when you are pregnant. And when you are pregnant, there's a screen for that at 28 weeks where you drink a, a glucose drink and it checks your sugar to to, to determine if you have gestational diabetes. And when you have gestational di- diabetes, it doesn't mean that you will automatically go on to develop type two diabetes, but it does put you at greater risk for developing type two diabetes.
0: So when we talk about 30 million Americans with diabetes, we're talking about type two?
1: Nine, over 90% of diabetics are type two, so it is by far the most common type of diabetes.
0: So as a doctor, did you realize how much diabetes would affect your practice and how often you'd be dealing with patients who are suffering with
1: this? Absolutely. Even in the beginning of my training when I was a medical student, a first-year medical student, I was a part of this group where we – I lived in – or our medical school was in a location where it was kind of a food desert. So there was mostly um, alcohol stores, Um, fast food, and not a real grocery store where you could get like healthy local produce. And so as a first-year medical student, I was a part of this group where we went and did diabetes education and talked to patients about diabetes. So I realized pretty early on that diabetes would be a substantial part of my practice. Yeah,
0: unfortunately. Do you think it's getting worse,
1: or do you think more people
0: are preventing it in themselves?
1: I personally think that... I think the awareness about diabetes is increasing, but I do feel that it's getting worse. And I'm seeing um, children being diagnosed with diabetes because, like Sandra said, there's there can be a stereotype, um, but not all type two diabetes are are overweight. Um, but I'm seeing children and teenagers being diagnosed with diabetes and developing complications that I typically would see a fifty, sixty, seventy year old patient with diabetes develop. I'm seeing them develop it in their 20s. Wow, that's pretty shocking. Yes, absolutely.
0: So what are some of the symptoms? If you have diabetes, what are some of the, the telltale signs that you should go in and get tested?
2: Um, and that's some of the challenge because for diabetes because the symptoms can be <clears throat> very vague. But in the majority, it's a lot of uh, too much thirst, too much hunger, mm-hmm. urinating a lot, getting in the middle of the night to go to the restroom two, three times um, at night. Uh, being very tired. So in a place like Arizona, where we live, where we uh, reach high temperatures, some of these symptoms, we can say, well, it's normal because it's hot outside. I'm very thirsty. And because I'm uh, very thirsty, I urinate a lot. So we make up these things. And a lot of people who have the symptoms, and since they're very vague, they don't think about diabetes. And have diabetes for six or seven years until they come up uh, to the hospital with uh, complications or a wound that don't heal and then you know that's why it's so challenging and so scary for a lot of people because they have diabetes for years it's just that they didn't know when. Right.
0: And it's very easy to get tested for diabetes. You can make an appointment uh, with Dr. McKenzie or any of our other fabulous district medical group physicians by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button or you can call us Monday through Friday from 7 30 a.m to 5 p.m at one 855 9973 That's 833-855-9973.
1: So let's talk about how you get tested. Um, How does that actually work? So there's a few ways that you can get tested for diabetes. Um, One would just be as simple as a finger stick where um, we have a glucose machine. Um, Any fasting sugar above 126 would indicate that you have diabetes or any random um, glucose over 200 would mean that you diabetes. So the simplest way would be a finger stick. The other way is a blood test where we test for, we use the test, the hemoglobin A1C. And then there's also a a glucose drink, like a sugary drink that you are administered, and they can check your sugar um, afterwards and see how your levels are. That's another way to test your, for diabetes. How soon do you get your results back on those? So um, depending on where you go, actually with the A1C, there's a blood test, but there's also a test called the point of care. So, and we have that available in our um, clinics as well. So even when the lab is closed, we have point of care testing and that test takes about five minutes. Or if you do a finger stick, you can get your results back within seconds.
0: Right. So people with diabetes, if they manage it, they can live a very fulfilling, long, healthy life. Um, But if it's not controlled, what are some of the, the side effects? What are some of the the other conditions that can happen?
1: So absolutely, if people control their diabetes and follow the instructions of their diabetes, educator, or their physician, their diabetes can be very well controlled. But what I tell my patients is that extra sugar that's floating around in your bloodstream is actually doing damage. And it affects your eyes. It can cause what we call diabetic retin- retinopathy, which is the leading cause of blindness. It also can affect your heart. Um, uncontrolled diabetes does put you at risk for coronary artery disease and heart attacks it also can affect your kidneys as well as your nerves and your sensation so that's why um, patients who have uncontrolled diabetes they lose their sensation in their hands and their feet we call that diabetic neuropathy and so if you get a cut you may not know and you can develop a wound and when you have diabetes you're even your ability to heal is impaired. And so you can develop a diabetic foot ulcer that doesn't heal and can even lead to amputations. So there's quite a few complications that can happen with uncontrolled diabetes.
0: None of that sounds fun. Absolutely not. So Chencho is our audio producer. He helps put our show together. And he was saying that your dad lives with diabetes. Is that right?
1: Yeah, he does. And what you guys were talking about, a lot of people think that if you're diabetic, you're automatically obese or vice versa. My dad is actually a little dude. He's about five six, and he struggles with his weight in the opposite direction. He can't keep weight on. Yeah. His blood sugar, is he has a really hard time controlling it. Mm. Is that normal for some people to have a hard time keeping weight on? I would say it varies and it depends. I would say um, I kind of see that more with the type 1 diabetics because... Um, when their body just isn't making any insulin and so they have to be very careful of what they eat and make sure that you eat at a regular interval and if they don't they can lose weight that way and I've even seen type 2 diabetics who are uncontrolled they can lose weight too so I have seen that in patients where they can have trouble keeping weight on it's interesting how much it varies so you, Absolutely. you do just have
0: to get in and get checked right to know Absolutely. for sure and for most of the time, once you're diagnosed with diabetes, it is a lifelong disease that you have to manage. So the key, I'm guessing, is prevention. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you prevent
2: getting prediabetes and diabetes? Eating healthy and doing exercise, but it is very simplistic sometimes to say that because it's what we struggle the most. Uh, we always, always talk about eat healthy and exercise, but we know how many of us really do it. Um, it's and hard when we all have busy lives it's and we size. work all
0: day and then mm-hmm. we have to go home and take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. When would we have time to exercise or go buy fresh food? It's it's a cyclical thing and it's hard to break that cycle. Yeah,
2: But that's why we said um, small steps make big changes. Absolutely. Don't think that you have to go to the gym and spend an hour or two hours or and also invest a lot of money in the gym when you don't have those resources. Just using the stairs, walk around the block, even mm-hmm. if it's five minutes minutes every minute counts uh, for physical activity. So never underestimate what you can do every day to change that. And also when we think about eating healthy, we do have that misconception that eating healthy is expensive. Uh, Because a lot of our patients uh, do say that, well, I I cannot afford to eat healthy. It's very expensive. But there was a very good uh, research from Harvard Medical School uh, that uh, they checked how much more expensive it was to eat healthy. And it was a cents a day mm. to eat healthy foods. So we and don't have run. to mm-hmm. do organic and mm-hmm. uh, uh, grass-fed mm-hmm. meat, but just go to the store and buy things that are unspecial that we can buy whatever you, you you like and it's unspecial. And that's a way to start to eat healthy. And not skipping meals is a good thing that you can start doing and include more vegetables. And of course, soda, mm-hmm. that's something yes. that is important to um, be aware that the high, um, the increase on eating soda and sugar drinks is what it's affecting most of us. Definitely.
0: For those of you just tuning in, we are speaking with Dr. Tina McKenzie from the Valleywise Community Health Center in Avondale and also diabetes educator Sandra Schmelnick. If you need to make an appointment with a doctor or you just don't have a doctor yet that you absolutely love, we highly recommend you visit valleywisehealth.org and book an appointment with us. Uh, You can fill out a form online and uh, someone will get back to you within three days or you can call us at 1-888-855-9973. That's 888-855-9973, 888-855-9973, Monday through Friday. So we hear the word insulin thrown around a lot. What is insulin and how does it help or hurt?
1: So insulin is something that our body naturally produces by our pancreas. And insulin has a essential role in basically how we um, use sugar and, in, and energy in our body. Um, as far as how It helps as it allows us, we basically, the point of us to eat, of eating, should be to fuel our body to meet our energy needs. And the point of insulin is to help our body to use the food that we eat, the sugar, properly so that our body can be fueled and to use the energy as it should be. Um, As far as, but it's extremely important when you don't have it, like in a type 1 diabetic, you can become extremely sick very quickly. So insulin is actually critical to the function of our body. So without it, you can become very sick, but if your body doesn't use insulin the way that it should, you can also develop issues related to that as well. So it's one of those things where it has like a fine area where it works great, it's amazing, but if you have resistance to it or don't make it, then you can develop a lot of complications. Right.
0: Is it hard to come by? Is there, you know, has there ever been a shortage of it? It sounds
2: like it's critical for the treatment of diabetes. One of the biggest issues is the raising cost of of the insulin the these price. days. The prices. The price the prices mm-hmm. have uh, been triplicated from 2002 to 2013. So it costs three times more to afford insulin since then. So yeah, the pricing of insulin these days, it's become critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of companies have made a big effort to reduce the cost mm-hmm. of insulin. So yes, it is critical and uh, you know, it's just not the insulin, is the supplies, the glucometer, testing strips. It's very costly to have diabetes. Right,
0: and everyone deserves to have treatment no No matter if you can afford it or not, everyone should be able to get their treatment, especially if they're actively pursuing a healthier life. Absolutely.
1: Has there been any changes in the way you administer insulin? Because I remember as a kid when my grandfather was alive, I'm still a little traumatized by watching him (laughs) stick a needle in his stomach Mm -hmm. every day. Is that changed or is that still kind of the same? I would say in my experience, I think it's pretty much the same. I will say there's been changes where, you know, maybe back in the day there was the insulin vial. You had to draw it up in a syringe, and the needle was probably, like, really long. And now there's insulin pens. The needles are much smaller and much um, shorter, so it's not as traumatizing now when we administer insulin. But I would say there's different types, and patients with the right training actually can become very comfortable administering their own insulin.
2: And like you said, you know,
1: about years ago, my
2: my husband, whose uh, mom had diabetes, he tells me that he, uh, he used to see how his mom used to boil the syringes and the needles were long. So yes, things have changed, like what Dr. Mm-hmm. McKenzie was saying, that the needles are much shorter. Now they can be as short as four millimeters, mm-hmm. which are pretty small. So technology has made a big part And and, uh, talking about technology, things have changed very much with continuous glucose monitoring or with the insulin pump. So um, things are changing and will be changing in the next couple of years. What about apps? I'm sure there's an app for everything. I yes. wonder if there's an app out there that
0: makes it easier for you to track your own you know, glucose and, and monitor it. Are you guys aware of anything like that?
2: Yeah, there are multiple apps mm-hmm. out there and um, they can be very useful, especially for people who like technology. They can uh, has, You can set up an alarm to remind you to take your insulin or your diabetes pills or to check your blood sugar. Some of them you can even record what you're eating. So it gives you an estimate of how many carbs you were eating. If the carbs that you're eating, mostly it's at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner. So the apps can be very helpful and are very helpful. So I've, you know, I go to the doctor, but I've never actually
0: been tested for diabetes. So is this something that patients have to take their care into their own hands and ask for it? Or is it a standard practice at the clinics?
1: I would say testing for diabetes is pretty routine. Um, There are guidelines that say, Regardless of your weight, if you're over the age of 45, you should be tested. But if you're less than 45 and you're overweight or obese, meaning your BMI is over 25, or you have risk factors, meaning you come from a high-risk ethnicity like Hispanic or African-American, or you have a family history of diabetes or a history of gestational diabetes or hypertension, those are all reasons where we would screen you earlier for diabetes. But if I would say if you're normal BMI, young, healthy, and no family history, um, that's not typically something that we would screen for off the back. but screening for diabetes is actually extremely common.
0: Absolutely. Are there any other major takeaways? So we've been talking about diabetes. This has been really great information.
2: You know, things have changed in the world of diabetes. And um, I hope, like you were saying, uh, uh, should people be their own advocate? I would say yes. Uh, if you have risk of diabetes, ask for that test. Even you know if the doctor doesn't do it for you, because some people be di- undiagnosed for many many years. So uh, I think it's just about getting tested. Absolutely. And if you think you have it, ask for it. Mm -hmm. Ask for your needs and also make that uh, partnership with your doctor when you think you need something. Definitely.
0: Well, we appreciate you both so much for being here and sharing. I know I've learned a lot and with 30 million Americans out there with diabetes, chances are there's lots of listeners who um, have personal experiences. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Valle Salud a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There, you'll find blogs and videos from our health care providers, and you can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.